Hello, today I have the lovely Jenny with me. Hi Jenny, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, hi there. Um, yes, I'm Jenny Enter and I live in North London with a, a large dog, a terrier called Hoagie and my husband. And this is, I, I've just published my, had published my fourth book, which is really exciting, a, a little nerve wracking and completely exhausting really to be honest um i'm yeah a little bit about myself yeah i love dancing i do i do argentine tango or i try to do it wow. i uh, i love dance in general i do a lot of yoga i'm a bit highly strung um have problem sleeping so I, I've in the last few years I've been doing um, ashtanga yoga all sorts of yoga getting a some now I find it does help a little bit with sleeping but it's really erratic um, but it's it's great to feel that I'm I'm getting old but older but it, m the body is not yet clapped out so um, <laughs> yes and I do a lot I, I read a lot I love watching crime and dramas on TV, like watching a lot of, a lot of Netflix. Sometimes, yeah. My husband is also a great TV watcher, so sometimes we argue about who's going to watch what. But that's okay because I can then go and read a book or do some writing. So, um, yeah, we, we've been married, yeah, how long? A long time. We've, <laughs> when was it? 2004 we got married. Uh, um, yeah, and we mostly live quite harmoniously. We have a few big fights where we both tend to argue a lot um, and want to have the last word, which is not good. Um, but over the years, I think it, having a relationship is quite a it's quite a, a learn sort of you can learn from it, and I find more about myself, and I try to help my partner. <laughs> learn more about himself and yeah it can, it can be very good it, it for a long time I never thought I would get married and I, oh, I didn't think I'd have a long-term relationship but it just happened and I'm very glad it did sometimes I do want to just escape go to my little island or go on a massive long holiday travel around the world but yeah mostly everything is fine and I get to walk the dog and yeah, I was saying before that, yeah, we've got this rather very mischievous dog, um, an Airedale Terrier, and it's the nature of the breed that they're very disobedient, everyone, but he's extremely appealing. Everyone we, when walking along, and everyone will, will come up and say, what a wonderful dog and how sweet and just like a big teddy bear. And not knowing that he's just jumped on about five other dogs, run, run away for an hour and not come back. <laughs> It's, uh, yeah, he is, but it, we, we love him, but he, despite, despite all the trouble. <laughs> um, did you always know that you wanted to be a writer? I, I always had the idea when I had um, a very, I think my, I had some problems at school that my teachers got really um, irritated with me and one or two got really upset with me being disobedient and not doing stuff I was told. <laughs> I was, 
yeah and what and my English teacher but the only thing was yeah I loved her classes and I was really inspired by her by the things that she did and she she once made she made some really nice comment about one of my essays and and I always remembered it when she said and it was really good and I, uh, for years I thought oh it'd be nice to be a writer and, but I never had the confidence to do it I always thought well no you how, how can I do it and, but I did, I scribbled away. I was doing jobs I didn't like particularly for a while before I got into journalism. But before then I would, even at work in my office, I would just start writing stuff and you know, pretend I wasn't when anyone came in. So <laughs> I knew, yeah, I, I gradually realized that I was just not happy doing, I'm like, I did computer programming, I, I did, quite a lot of um, just really boring jobs. And then I did a few more interesting things, but I just knew it wasn't like, um, it wasn't really um, a long-term thing. Um, and I was freelance journalist and that, that was great. And I, I sort of, when I was doing it freelance journalism, I was really into, um, I guess, environmental stuff and social issues, but I knew that it wasn't really, it was really exciting at times and getting stuff on the front page of a, of this newspaper was fantastic but they never paid me or, or not they, they paid me for a while and then the, play, the newspaper went bust I had problems paying my rent um, it just seemed to be not that right being an author is much better from that point of view but at least it's it's something that you can for me I just find it, it it's I've, I've finally found what I just love to do and even if I don't make any money out of it which I don't really make it very much at all it's still yeah it's something that I'm proud to be and I can put on my passport or not, I'm an author and it's fantastic so and what made you take the plunge and actually start writing was it getting made was it the paper going bust or was it something else that thought now I'm gonna do it I'm gonna sit down and write my book <laughs> I travelled a lot when I was in my 20s. I spent a long time around in um, Asia and Australia, living in different countries. And, and, and I was also, finally, I started working as a journalist. But then I missed, I missed England a lot and people here and the culture, TV, radio. And I thought, oh, yeah, I've got to come back. And I really wanted to get a job in journalism doing... And I had this thing... I don't know if you've heard of it, John Pilger, but he he he's still going. I think he was um, in when I arrived in Australia. Was, he was quite well known for various exposés of the corruption actually in the police in in Queensland and those other things. So I, I thought, oh yes, I would like to go and do this and be a sort of follow in his footsteps. So I did a journalism degree, and it was all going really well. And I, I but I just missed England, so I. When I came back, I couldn't, I, I applied to every single paper that I really wanted to work in. And I had one interview in the ho that whole time. And I think it was just, they probably thought, A, like I was too old and B, um, living, they probably thought I was really unsettled and restless and I, I, I'd just come back to the country. So it just didn't happen. And, and I think, well, I, I probably wouldn't, I'm not great at, I don't, know, I don't think I'm very good at being very responsive to questions, probably better asking the questions, but I, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think I would be, I think probably print journalism would be the thing 
Okay, and I, I have I've have done interviews on, in print. I've done I've recently like in the UK, but I've done a few print, yeah long articles, but it's not it's nothing like writing a book and a novel. So that that really isn't what I want to do. But it'd be nice to occasionally do columns and opinion pieces. I would love to do that. And how long ago did your first book come out? Ah uh, yes. Um, 2016 that was blindside and I I'd been uh, I'd tried to get I know like people used to do in the old days write to all the agents writers and artists yearbook went through all that and got sort of like a couple I had a couple of in agents who seemed to be interested but then they went to sleep somewhere and didn't come back to me I thought oh, I just thought oh well sod them I, I'm not going to be hung up about this and so I went on to this thing called Autonomy, a massive, um, is now sort of defunct, it was part of some sort of Harper Collins thing. But I met lots of authors online through that, and I got more confidence in my book. A previous incarnation of this book, Blindside, made it to the editor's desk, which was something like a really big thing, which it actually wasn't really a big thing, but for confidence. And then I met... Um, I applied to this crowdfunding publisher called Unbound and crowdfunding is like the last thing I would have ever imagined myself doing because basically it's a completely different, at the time anyway, it was a very different way to, to do things. So I um, I had to make it, I had a terrible cold, I had to make a video and try and tell people how wonderful my book was, which wasn't me at all. I would, I, <laughs> and ask for money, basically. It was it's a sort of between self-publishing and traditional publishing, a, a different sort of model. But, but I was, uh, no, it actually worked. And by some hook or by crook with my friend, all my friends, <laughs> one or two anyway, some my friends are really supportive and um, yeah, um, really, really helpful. And I, I remember just, yeah, I finally got to 100% funded. So that was that was a really good experience. And, and I had pretty good reviews for that book. I didn't, it didn't sell very much, but I was really happy, you know, just to get it out there. Um, if you were to pick uh, one character out of your four books so far to take out for a meal, who would you choose and what would you ask them? Uh, <laughs> one character. Well, I would probably, I would probably pick, yes, my, the main character in my latest book, Silenced, who is D.I. Callum Waverley. And I would, and I think it would be interesting because I'm not one of those writers, I don't know every single thing about my characters. I know like the basics and what they're, I guess their spirit and the, the heart of them. And I don't know what their favorite color is and all, all that stuff. So there's so, so much I don't know about him so I could learn. I would ask him all sorts of like, juicy stories about what happens in the Met, um, stuff that <laughs> no one would ever tell me. And well, no, that, it, that it's difficult for people to say, especially if they're still working there. Um, I would like to ask, Oh yes. Well, it, I'll just say quickly that there's in in silence. There's um, a fair bit of pre police procedural bit, and there's um, he's equal another di in the in the murder 
murder squad effectively is promoted above him to acting acting DCI when their mutual boss has to go off sick. And this is um this is he's called Pierce, acting DCI Pierce. And there's Callum completely hates him. And they've come loggerheads many times and there's been and basically to do with um yeah Pierce is racist and homophobic and extremely right wing and has very objectionable beliefs in Callum's view. And, and they, there's a scene where they actually start fighting in a pub. So I would quite like to know what he would actually say and do to, to Pierce if he could. <laughs> also, there's a bit, I'd like to know, there is a the theme of um, corruption and po possible corruption, not to give the plot away, but in the, in the Met and in the particular murder team. And Callum's boss, one level up, the acting, no, not the acting, the, the detective superintendent, he has some quite dodgy sort of characteristics. And, and his, and you, you sort of like, as a reader, I hope you, you think, oh, well, this is rather strange. He could be a bit like a bad apple, but um, you don't quite know if he is or not. So I'd like to find out, yeah, that does um, what he really thinks, really, yeah, about about the big boss. Um, what's the most interesting thing you found doing research for your books? Ah, well, <laughs> well, this novel is the research I've done has has really, and I can't say it's blown my mind, but it's it is had it's been eye-opening and I was just about yeah on the on the online launch I did last night with that my publisher organized I was looking through some of the for that I was looking through some of the about 10 urban slang dictionaries I've got and trying to pick my favorite words and I did write them down um, but oh yeah and I was yeah I did spend a lot of time read looking at Top Boy on Netflix this it's um like a gang, what do you call it? Like a gang drama, and it was had a cult. Well, it probably still does. has a, has a cult following set in London, and there's um this guy Sully, and there's a, what's that a phrase. There's um I was looking through this, yeah, this dictionary. I'll find it in a minute. Yeah, um, but yeah, but I guess that one of the things is the doing just some looking at some of the etiquette for doing drug deals and there's about 20 I was looking online because that, that is a lot so, there's so much about gang culture which is which I just didn't ha hadn't a clue about and I gradually got to learn um, some of the slang and just some of the stuff that, that they do culture the cultural type stuff and some of the you know, some of it, like even even the gang signs, but I never, which I won't <laughs> try and do. And I, I was talking to this guy who was white, white guy, and and you wouldn't think, looking at him, you wouldn't think, oh no. And he, but he, everything he said was in this gang sort of American urban slang. And and he was, and he came over, and he was doing all these signs, which I didn't, I just didn't know what what he was on about half the time, <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, um, 
Yeah, I mean, I was, I was talking to you, but he was recently another guy who was recently the leader of an East London gang, and he was saying things like, um, at one time my my gang name was the Skull Boys, and and then I changed it to Skull to the Skull Crew, and he said, no, you you can't call it the the Skull Crew; it's just Skull Crew in its own. And then he was, then he said, oh, you've got to have more girls in the gang because you. Yeah, you do have girls that are very much involved, but they're not more, they're more unofficial and so on. Um, and he was just saying about this, get, um, the sort of deals that he would do where you'd have two cars pull up facing opposite directions and they would do the deal through the window. And I was just asking a lot of detail about what, what weapons they would have in the car. And and in my, in my story, I've got a girl who carries, but, in her bag, she has a large bag and she carries the knife, his knife, and uh, another time on the deal, she carries his gun. So it's like, what what would be realistic? Um, and yeah, I mean, and they, and I, all, all sorts of stuff, like um, they wouldn't, they, at one time, the, the gang, the deals we used to be, a lot of them say, out, that's by taxi or something, um, how, and they would, they wouldn't, um, and they would use like minicab drivers and unlicensed drivers who couldn't. And also, if, if they were picked up by the police, there would be more than one person in the car, so that it would be hard for the police to say these drugs belong to one person. So, for actually prosecuting, it would be hard. And all sorts of, I'm not very good at just instantly remembering things, but there were so many. Uh, quite startling things and to do with the county line side, which which I found fascinating. And the, yeah. Um, and yeah, all the slang words, I remember asking, yeah, just slang words for this and that. And what I, and asked, by the end of this novel, I had all these, no, it's quite several contacts I could ask in detail about, you know, gang crime and, and how it how it worked. Yeah, like, because I use a few in my book and, I, and that was one of the interesting things because there's, there's like Waste Man and Was and, and I don't, I don't so much and chat and shit, chat and shit, <laughs> I love to say that <laughs> in an argument to my husband, but <laughs> it does sound so funny for me. Um, uh, oh, here we go, hang on. Got it now. Yeah, mate. Oh, yeah, Matrix. I love that because because you know there's the the Met Police have um, a gang member matrix, a, a, a gang database of all the members. Like there's a fact, and there's always controversy about it, and people saying that there shouldn't be so many people on it. And, yeah, um, and mostly black men and for a start. So, and just they now use the word matrixed to mean being put on this database. Um, yeah, so just small things like that. Um, and all the words for like stabbing, there's so many like check for, to be stabbed, there's so many like to be, um, uh, I've got here, ching or chefed up. Um, just yeah, yeah. It's, it's very interesting. The whole yeah. world I had no, just had no um, insight at all into before. <laughs> nice.
big thing. <laughs> Move your butt. <laughs> uh, getting restless. Yeah, the but we've got budgies and they're fluttering and they're scaring her, I think. <laughs> um, do you hide secret jokes or messages in your books that only a few people would understand? Oh, no, no. Although you could say that possibly there's one or two unusual, more unusual slang words that I, I, I think with um, Google and so on that people can just look, look them up. It's not going to be a big deal. Um, that, that's, that's an interesting idea. <laughs> yeah. And some people, it's silly things like uh, song lyrics or um, uh, music artists and stuff. But uh, yeah, it's, it does sound like fun when people do it. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to do that. Um, what's been the most fun scene you've written out of all your books? Uh, well... <laughs> Fun to write, or do you think fun to read? Either. <laughs> I won't restrict you too much. Well, okay. I can say for sure the, the most fun to write. Yeah, I didn't finish, like the list of my books, there's four. So after Blindside, there was one called The Girl in His Eyes, very dark, um, like a psychological suspense story, um, family drama. After that, I wrote, I think it was partly to have a relief <laughs> contrast from the very dark stuff. I wrote um, not having at all. And that is completely mad in many ways. Um, and it was me experimenting with different types of humor. And I guess, and some people have called it like um, a satire, but it, it's actually all sorts of humor. It's absolutely crazy. and. Not surprisingly, not, not many people bought it, but um, I, um, yeah, I was, I was, I had the most fun time writing it. And there's, okay, there's a woman, my main character is a scientist called Beatrice, who's torn between family and career. She has um, a very trouble, troublesome daughter, five-year-old daughter, a really badly behaved dog, know where that comes from <laughs> and a very difficult husband <laughs> the difficult husband is a corporate high-flying exec type person who works and goes to America and is always being called away for on these long business trips so um, she has to cope with her career she's a research scientist and she's doing research on the brains of phobics um, and that involves experiments with um, uh, MRI scanner and she frightens, well, in this, in this story, she frightens them with things like snakes and spiders in the scanning tube. And that, that was so much fun to invent all this science. And I actually, because I am a former scientist in that, I did a degree in physics way back. I've never used it. So, but I, I love reading about great, like any, any sorts of science and especially anything to do with the brain and how it works. And so, so she's doing all these MRI type experiments. And now actually there was writing about one of the experiments she's doing and she's completely stressed at this stage because her, her husband's disappeared on this corporate trip and the husband is convinced that she's having an affair with her best friend, like a lesbian affair. And so she's got to cope with him. She's, on, she's actually on the verge of making a major discovery in her field 
with these phobics and to do with um, this part, and I invented this part of the brain, I know it sounds ridiculous, but I made up this part of the brain called the bolf that she, uh, she discovered. <laughs> and it had a, like an acronym, it actually stands for something. But, and I tried to make it as rigorous as I can. And it's also comedy, which is really hard. So I had this scene where she's, she, all her, like, she has her PhD um, students who volunteer, volunteer to actually go into the tube and be experimented on and to be subjected to these really um, horrible fil film clips of like people's eyes being cut out. You know, that famous film, someone's whatever, all sorts of nasty film clips clips and but then there's a problem with one of her volunteers and she has to actually do it go into the tube herself um that then there's um she gets it oh yeah she gets this massive great spider with um i did a research for that and it has sort of like white tipped horrible furry legs and and that's one of the situations that the spider goes into the tube and so and then she has one of her volunteers actually has a, like a major panic attack. <laughs> but it's all it's supposedly been peer, you know, they, they have to authorize the experiments and have um like a committee decide what what's gonna happen. There's and that was one of the scenes that was incredibly fun to write. And there was another and um, involving Kurt where he has an he has um an iPhone incident. He gets complete no, he often he's um he is a rather obsessive, but he, he has a really lovable side, but he, he's obsessive and he's um, paranoid and <laughs> he's stuck, he's actually, stuck, he's in this hotel room in Turkey, doesn't know what's going on. And he, um, yeah, so he starts to imagine all sorts of things. He, go, he comes home, he, he believes that, yeah, Beatrice is having some, some sort of lurid affair with her best friend. Uh, no, and there's sort of like really, um, flimsy evidence for this but he's in a sort of state where he can't switch off and he can't so he it all culminates in the scene where he's he's drinking his whiskey and getting more and more out of his head and he discovers these diaries of his wife and and uh, he goes to the loo and, and what happens he goes to the toilet and to the bathroom yes with his iphone and he's completely drunk and he ends up um yeah well yeah he has he has spy spy cams all around the house that's the other thing and the, his wife discovers them and is completely shocked and <laughs> I'm gonna leave you I can't stand it and he takes the iPhone and drops it down the loo in this sort of drunken stupor and ends up and collapses ends up being taken to hospital and and then told off by one of the junior doctors for being completely, you know, like a binge drinker, alcoholic, and he's got to reform and mend his ways. And that, the whole thing, and writing from his point of view, like stream of conscious, and I just took total liberties with my writing st style. A lot of it was just, you know, off the wall, but uh, yeah, I, I do like humor. And I don't know, yeah, I've had some good reviews on that book, but um, it hasn't, yeah, um, I just think it's so different that it, it's you, it's hard to market something like that. Yeah, and my publisher at the time struggled to, and then I struggled. <laughs> I can see why they had a problem. <laughs> um, have you made lots of author friends since you started writing? Yeah, I've made loads of friends, and I feel yes that it's so 
Yeah, I just mentioned one, Ian Skewers, who really helped me a lot when I was crowdfunding. I met him through Unbound. Um, Carenza Jennings, I also met at Unbound, Martine Donner. And they've, they've all written brilliant books. And I just feel it's so, it's so good to be in touch and to be able sometimes to, you know, just um, have a bit of a moan um, and about, yeah, what's going wrong. And I've, I've, I do, I belong to a couple of writing groups and it's one of the things that through lockdown, everything seems to just disappear all normal life started to change and having like one of the writing we'd just meet every three weeks we started to meet more and that was just a really lovely thing because I, a totally different you know dynamic coming up through meeting on zoom than on face to face so we, and that, it was it was lovely and I really miss having the face-to-face meetings and we'd all have like tea and and cake <laughs> And uh, at my friends, yeah, well, about one of her, one of her houses, but it's just nice on Zoom too. And yeah, we had our Zoom Christmas party last year. And it was, now we're talking about having, um, well, I've, I've planned this real life um, thing down our local pub. So that would be good too, but yeah, it's, it's yeah, that's what definitely one of the, the positive things that, you can feel very much alone when you're working all day and you don't see anyone and you like when you haven't got a book coming out and, and your publisher sort of either disappears or never talks to you or, <laughs> or something like that. There's at least there's other authors and who are in a similar situation and it's yeah that makes a big difference. Yeah, I was lucky enough to meet Ian at um, Bloody Scotland. Oh, right. Yeah. It was funny. Um, I, he introduced me, um, Sharon Bairdon introduced me to him, and he didn't know who I was straight away. And then as soon as she mentioned my group, he's like, oh, it's you. Uh, <laughs> uh. I was like, yep, yeah, hi. <laughs> but he was lovely. So, yeah, it was nice, nice to meet in person. And Sharon, actually. So, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't be much. I mean, going to some of these festivals, I I, I feel I'd, I'd love to do it. But then again, it's um, a, a little bit. I, I find, especially going to something for the first time, you don't know anyone. And I'm not very good recognising faces, I think, I'm, or, or even names. I'd better, probably better at faces. But um, I sort of feel I know people, yeah, if, after a while, I'm fine. But just instantly recognising someone, I'm pretty hopeless. That's me, you wouldn't be alone. Um, me and someone else went to Harrogate and there's just authors everywhere. And we were like looking, thinking, is that someone? Do we know them? And honestly, we had no clue. Most of the weekend we had no idea. And it was kind of embarrassing. And we said next year we would take a like a book with a photo of their face and their name because yeah. honestly it is just insane <laughs> so trust me you wouldn't be on your own <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, can, I can um Nate because Stuart says oh are we don't know why don't you say hello to that person I was like who, who is that <laughs> like someone who's lived down the road for 10 years <laughs> 
But, uh, yeah. Usually, I, I'm not that bad, usually. But um, also I don't notice stuff, and the steward will say, oh, yeah, well, they, they, you didn't, you notice that they're, they're their range rover or whatever has gone or come back, and I, I didn't even know they had a car. So yeah <laughs> um have you had a lot of feedback from your readers Over, yes i i have whenever a book yeah I, I love getting that for all my books i haven't i've had this latest book i've only just started getting feedback but i've had brilliant um just um, amazing reviews so far and wonderful sort of like you know comments from the first readers um I've had uh, some, yeah, some incredibly annoying reviews where, you know, it's just you know, the usual ones where they get they give no reason. They give you like um, two stars or one star enough and no reason at all. Or it's some like you, you have to use, just use bad language or, just, or even just nothing. I, I, I'm much better at that, I, I hope. <laughs> it did take me a while. I, I try not to let, let, no, I try to be positive and not, not let anything ruin my day. So, and I'm not going to be looking at um, anything that's going to upset me. So, uh, yeah, I just try to let, brush it off. But when there's something, when there's something, uh, no, just, what is it, yesterday someone did something about this book, just some, and it's some, something quite detailed or say, the, the most, yeah, getting someone to say, oh, yeah, I'm a little bit worried that someone will say, oh, yes, well, there's something in this, this current book, Silence, that is totally unrealistic and they would never do that and you've got it all wrong. I'm sure they will. It will be something. But it's, yeah, it's, um, I've never, I've never written an actual proper crime novel before and I'd say that this, no, please procedure, it's been a massive learning curve. But yeah, it was that, yeah, I've had very, um, I had, uh, yeah, when I did a lot of research on Russia and um, Russian mafia and for my first book, Blindside, I've got a, yeah, the main characters, one of the main characters is Russian and I had to do all this research and I had this woman who was telling me, um, yeah, who came back afterwards and said how much she enjoyed the book. She, and she was rather worried about telling me anything because of, I guess, the, the topic was quite sensitive. And uh, also I was writing about a specific war between Chechnya and Russia. And, and it was a really um, difficult, difficult topic to research. And, but, so, but it was great to, yeah, to get comments from readers. Um, I can't remember what they were exactly. But it, yeah, but to me that, that is actually the best thing out of all of, you know, getting the book, all, all you know, the long, long journey of getting a book published. And I don't, yeah, just feeling that some readers really appreciate it. And it's not even, I guess, the number of readers, it's just that some really do get what you've said. So. Yeah, I'll be sharing mine on the 14th. <laughs> oh, I have to wait. <laughs> I may I may post it on um, Goodreads before then, which you'll see. But I've started it today, so it won't take me long to read it. So yes, 
things. Yeah, it's, and, a, it's a big book. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's why I thought I'd better start it sooner. Although it doesn't take me long to read books, but I wanted to fully appreciate it. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I've got ages. Um, if you were able to spend a day with any author, dead or alive, who would you like to spend a day with? Okay. Um... Uh, well, one of my favourite authors, don't know, I don't know much about him at all, I don't know if he's on the internet even, but Haruki Murakami, I, I love his writing and I love the humour and the weirdness. Oh, I, do, I read a lot of all sorts of stuff and crime fiction too, but so I guess, so having an insight into his world and I have read a few, must have read a few things about Return quite interesting about his like, his philosophy of life, and I don't can't remember very much about about it. But, and also coming from being Japanese and the whole yeah what uh, yeah living in Japan what it's like and yeah the whole how success how it's changed him if at all well, it, yes it must have done but and just the experience of yeah, his routine, what it's what it's like having actually writing, how do, how he researched those books and his actual method and how he approaches writing. Yeah, yeah that's cool. <laughs> and if you're able to travel to any period in his uh, any period of time, either forwards or backwards, where would you like to go? Mm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Maybe I, I'm always, I don't think I'd like to go forwards. I, I really have, I'm really, I really worry about AI and climate change and what's going to happen to us all. I've, I'm, yeah, I'm quite interested in the dark ages or um, in, maybe not in Britain, but somewhere a little bit warmer and yeah, just the time in after the Romans left, maybe. Uh, yeah, because it's because it, it, there was so little known about it, and I think it'd be quite interesting to find out what happened. Um, but a lot of history just seemed like a, a rather gruesome, uh, violent, and difficult. Like just with our viewpoints now. So I don't know. So possibly I'll revise that answer and go back to the 1920s. Have a, you know, just have a, a fun time and where not knowing, I guess you'd have to know what was going to happen with um, the 1930s. But yeah, maybe 1925 or something. Yeah, a good choice, popular choice as well. <laughs> Um, so apart from walking your dog, what else do you like to do on Netflix in your spare time? <laughs> well, Netflix is quite a, quite a big one. Yeah, I, I, do, I do read a lot. Um, I've been, yeah, one, I guess at first I used to read more literary fiction and I like, for example, Helen Dunmore and I, I write, a, I don't do much now, but I write poetry. Um, when I have time, and, and she used to be a poet, 
Um, yeah, I like uh, some of my favourite authors. Uh, well, you didn't ask this, so I better not say it. <laughs> Go you can say about that. Can I can I say about that? Yeah, of course. Okay. Um, yeah, um, Louise Beach. I love her writing. Um, I've read only read a couple of her books, but um, the, the Mountain in My Shoe and and uh, oh yeah, call me call me Star Girl. Uh, love that book. And yeah, there's so many like we quite like there's books like um, where there's a hint of supernatural. For example, um, the Ice Twins, S. K. Tremaine, very scary. <laughs> yep. Michelle Paver. What was it called? Um, set in the Arctic, dark matter, and yeah, I, I guess I, I quite enjoy where there's um, a hint of men, more than a hint of menace, and with crime, I think it's quite difficult. I read recently, um, what's it called? Um, it's gone out of my head now. It'll come back. Yeah. Yeah, it's quite, I think it's quite difficult because you have to balance realism somehow, like a lot of crime is realistic and it's a bit weird if you have sort of surreal crime, I think it can, you have to be extremely talented, I would say, to get, to, to get away with it. But where you have a hint of supernatural, I think it can work really well. Um, the small, yeah, the small hand, Susan Hill, where it sort of goes into horror and yeah, those are some of my favorite books. But I also like the sort of more gothic ones and like, like the Roanoke Girls, Amy Engel, um, where there's a really strong sense of place. Um, yeah, so I, I'm often, I find it hard sometimes to, to make the time to read, but often I just feel like I've got to social media. It's, very time consuming. I do enjoy it some of the time, but <laughs> in fact, I, I love doing it some of the time, but it's when it gets to be a chore, like, oh, I better go on Twitter and do, do this. And I, so I try not to do it when I'm in that frame of mind, but there's always, it seems that there's always something one could be doing with social media. And so with that, then having the time to write which I know when I get, when I do it, I do get, get obsessed and I can't stop, which is good. But I have to get into that momentum, and at, at first it's hard to get to get going and to get get you know the enough pages done every day. But often I just feel like at the end of the day, but I've got to do a bit of reading to and to to actually to immerse myself in something else. Yeah, um, and other hobbies, walking. Yeah, I, I, we've got a house in the mountains in in um, southwest France in the Pyrenees, and there's some amazing mountain scenery. I've got lost a few times. I've taken friends on massive walks, and um, yeah, I've had yeah. I actually once thought that helicopter was coming. To, I would have to call for a helicopter, and I phoned my husband who was in England. And I said, "Yes, please. Can you?" I was actually desperate, panicking because my friend, one of my friends had a little a few problems of balance and we were in deep in the woods it, up a mountain had no idea where we were and it was getting dark yeah so, 
but I guess I like a little bit of danger. Just the, but that was too much. And I, in the end, we didn't. We finally found, yeah, the way down. Fortunately. So I'd say, yeah, walking in um, slightly risky places, like um, up mountains and along above on the cliffs and stuff. Yeah, I love that. You said you liked watching um, crime dramas. So what sort of things do you watch? I watched before. That was one of very, uh, quite late in the day coming to all, all this stuff. Um, yeah, early on in the pandemic. And this is one of the things that me and my husband, we both like to watch. So it's one of the things we do. Um, Line of Duty, I was really late coming to it. I, and one of my friends kept saying, oh, you've got to watch this. And it's so fantastic. And I, I, I had no clue. What, no, I, I don't know. I was just reading, I guess, I was watching other stuff. And then I finally got to, to watching it. And I was really carried away. So I watched about four series in a row. And, and I think actually uh, some, I was in, partly inspired by Line of Duty, some of them, such as, the, I guess, the police corruption elements and the not knowing who you can trust in, the, in your fellow officers. And that's really, that's, and there's a little bit of that in my book. Um, Shetland, I've been, I want to watch, I've been watching the latest series, I, I like that. Partly, yeah, it's a, he's, I think the, um, yeah, Jimmy Perez character, very sympathetic, um, was not completely straightforward uh, Baptiste. So watch all about Happy Valley, like the, um, yeah, the, the, I mean, yeah the, the police sergeant who was a detective and she has a, all, I love the, all the family issues coming in and, and very gritty, but you, can't yeah you don't often get that sort of that drama the intensity of the drama which uh, as well as the police side yeah and I, I like some of them was it the killing um yeah that really really long um Scandi one that took forever I think I think it's the killing yeah with a lot of politics Ch the chestnut man I mean, just watched the end of that <laughs> yeah um Yeah, I have, have to be careful because I can easily just ca get carried away, away watching the TV crime dramas. I have no time to do anything else. Yeah, I um, I started watching You Don't Know Me um, on Sunday and then I forgot to watch the second part on Monday. Uh, so I've got that to catch up on. Um, but I've read the book, so I know what happens anyway, but I'm interested to see. I've been meaning to read the book for about a year. So I, I'm going to read the book first. It's incredible because it's so different. And um, I've interviewed Imran Mahmood because one of my good friends had read it and went on and on and on at me to, to get him for an interview. And he was absolutely lovely. So, yeah, um, but yeah, it's so different. And it's, it's one of my books of the year without question. So, yeah, yeah. definitely worth a read. I'm looking forward to all these books I'm going to read when, um, yeah, in a couple of weeks after the blog tour ends and I don't feel I have to be, you know, saying things about my book all the time, even though it's enjoyable. <laughs> it is, but it's, um, this, this for me is like a new, it is a totally new experience. And uh, I, at first I thought, oh yeah, it'll be, it'll be fun. 
<laughs> I got slightly worried, but I do. I mean, I am enjoying it now. After That's I made it. <laughs> Yeah, I think mine's one of the last, isn't it? I don't think my day's the last day. I think there's a couple more after me, but yeah. yeah I think it's Friday yeah, or Thursday. Yeah. But um, yeah, I'm, I don't know. Um, it's, the reviews have been good, but I'm sure there'll be someone who really hates it and or doesn't like it or just says something you know, banal. Judging by the reviews so far, I very much doubt that. <laughs> Well, we'll see. <laughs> but I'm, I was thinking at one time I would be great. I, was, I did a, as my local paper, there's an article, there they, was this weird headline um, It said something about, um, is it, yeah, but yeah, the headline was, it's easy to make crack cocaine. So the, the journalist was all talking to, and, and it just, I just had such a laugh because it sounded like I was making crack in my kitchen, whereas I had been talking about as you know, other people making it and um, gang members. But as I, I was, I did for one of my, for the girl in his eyes, I was on Radio London and it's the first radio interview I, I did with Joe Good, who is, I didn't, I didn't know her very much at all, but I found that she was really well known for that, but she had, she had this dog and she would talk about, she recently died, but she would talk about her dog and she was really well known for that. And she would do these very chatty interviews. And she was great. She put that very much, I was really a bit tense, <laughs> very nervous at the start. But she, uh, but it was, she really, no, I felt really at, I wouldn't say at ease, but no, relatively, considering it was a live interview and there was like all the radio, thousands of Radio London listeners. And I even read the very first poem I published. Uh, and she no right at the end of the interview and I went out on such a high um and I was thinking oh it'd be nice to do some tv or something for... <laughs> but I'm really glad I just think yeah but I wouldn't be very good on tv and probably radio is the best <laughs> you'd be fabulous <laughs> yeah. um are you working on anything at the moment and do you know what you're going to do next I am um... I've been trying really hard to keep writing going and um, the fifth novel is, I guess I have this, I don't know why, but I can never write the same book twice and or the same genre twice, but this is still, I think it's crime, but more, much more cosy, what they sort of cosy crime, but it isn't because I hate that term cosy because it's like, oh, slippers and fireside and pipe. And that isn't me at all because I, I want to do something that makes a reader I don't know how, how to say it, but it leaves an impression, an impact on the reader. And somehow, but I do, I, I've been it's set in a village and there's during the pandemic, which is a risk for a start because people are, so no, it's like black and white. Lots of people say, oh no, I'd never read anything set during COVID. Anything that actually mentions COVID testing and masks, whatever. But it, it is to do with the extreme tensions that arise in a small village relating to the community effort to help each other during the pandemic and to set up a sort of like a food bank and they set up like a neighborhood response you know like going to visit neighbors and delivering food and so on but there's one rather hypocritical woman 
who ends up upsetting lots of people and her there's um all sorts of tensions which to do with all the usual things of uh since brexit really um the usual brexit type tensions in britain about you know different classes and races and people's views on immigration all that comes to a head as well so i've tried I just wanted to do something that's funny at times, but it also has a lot of darkness in it. And yeah, so I'm, it's an experiment at the moment. We'll see how it goes. So at least I feel I can cheer myself up and then I can write this really dark stuff and they let the characters rip <laughs> and do all this stuff. <laughs> yeah, this stuff that I would never be able to do myself. Um, well, I can't think of any more questions for you unless you think there's anything I haven't asked you that you want to tell us. Um, I made all these notes. <laughs> I don't think there is. Oh, I did. Oh, yes. One thing I, I was worried that you might ask me is um, who would I get to play one of my characters? So... And I have, I'm pretty useless, useless at remembering names, but I think Aidan Turner, because I loved him in Poldark and he could play in a few years time, he'll be middle-aged, exactly the right age. So a sort of, the sort of moody, thoughtful, somewhat mysterious, a little bit that he can easily upset people, be extremely blunt. And that is a bit like Callum. So, so so I had gone to seed. I, I don't. He wouldn't. He wouldn't be a be a sort of you know, like a hunk, but, but quite attractive. Never yeah, I could see that. I totally agree with that. Actually, so yeah, that's a good choice. <laughs> yeah, that that's about yeah. That's all. Uh, do you have a copy of your book to hold up, or oh, I do. You might as well show it off. <laughs> And that's out now, isn't it? It was out yesterday. Very thick. <laughs> yes, out yesterday. And would you like to tell everyone where they can buy it from and where they can find out more about you if they wish? Yes, well, they can buy it from Amazon. I could give a link out, but it's no, you just have to look up Jenny Enter Silenced. And it's also out on yeah, paperback. Waterstones and all the usual things, and it's on in bookshops. If people are in North London, Highgate Books, very very pleased, but they've stocked five copies. Put a copy in the window. Waterstones, not so pleased. Hampstead Waterstones, especially not pleased. But I, hope, I don't know. I I just think the manager uh, anyway. Whatever happens, maybe they will change their policy. But. Crouch and Waterstones has been has been quite good, and they've got they've got a copy on the way. But I'm sure you know in, you can just go and ask him in any bookshop. Um, yes, and my publisher gave me these sample chapters, which I was I was reading at the, the Brixton Book Jam, <laughs> and that was that was really good fun. Uh, but I I realised there was so much noise in the interval that I just couldn't give out these. And they gave the chapters because the paperback was late. Well, it wasn't that even that late, but it was much later than they thought initially it would. And I'd been thinking oh, I'd take a paperback along. And um, they gave these instead so I could actually read from it and hold something up. And so I've got 
quite a few copies left. So now I'm, yes, I'm, I feel I ought to be going around giving people copies. So I'm going to be going to my local schools in Haringey and pestering older, older children and asking, because the whole thing is set, it's, it's a fictional estate, but it's set in Haringey, in the east of Haringey, around Tottenham, in some oh, deprived area. So I hope I'm, I don't get carted off by the police. <laughs> and uh, where can people find about out about you do you have a website or anything my website is jennyenser.com it's j-n-n-i-e um j-n-n-i-e e-n-s-o-r.com and i'm on facebook um and all over yeah facebook page and um instagram twitter I think that's it. Bye, Phyllis. Well, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. It's been, <laughs> it's been fun.